This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. And first pitch Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. How might we project Julio Rodriguez next season? Let's find out. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Thursday, September 15th. Frank Stample joined by Scott White. And today on the show, we've got some fill in the blank. How to handle struggling Rockies. They've got seven home games next week. I just don't know if we want to play them. There's just some really bad hitters in their lineup right now. We'll get to those. And I do have an angry email for Scott oh, yeah. White. Are, for me, are they angry with me? Oh, they are angry with oh. you. Are you, <laughs> are you ready to defend yourself, Scotty? Mm, probably not, but that's fine. All right. Anyway, let's jump in. Oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness gracious, Scott. A standout from Wednesday. Where would you like to begin? I'd like to begin with old Chuck. He stinks. Charlie Morton. We were talking beforehand, (laughs) Scott. It's just, he's so frustrating, but go ahead. Well, here's the thing. I I think we've overlooked an aspect of Charlie Morton's season that's coming home to roost right now because I know me certainly, but um, I, I would say... All of us, everybody who analyzes fantasy baseball for a living tends to, to focus on whiffs. I mean, that's the most important thing a pitcher can do is, is get strikeouts. And a good indicator of how good a pitcher is at getting strikeouts is how many swings and misses he gets. And Charlie Morton's still done that at a terrific rate this year. And for a while, it looked like he was recovering from that slow start to the season just like he did last year. It looked like he was following the same script. His K per nine is actually a little higher than than uh, than last year. He's got 10.7. Uh, and, and the XFIP, 356 versus 331 last year. But here's what's changed for Charlie Morton. Fewer ground balls. Like he has been, it's, it's been kind of a, I mean, he used to be a ridiculous ground ball pitcher back when he was more of a sinker baller with the pirates. And, um, you know, then obviously had that career transformation with the Astros became more of a fastball 
curveball guy and more of a bat misser and a better asset overall, but was still a good ground ball pitcher just by virtue of his curveball. It generated a lot of ground balls, and that helped him keep the ball in the park. Well, his ground ball rate this year is a career low 40%, and he's allowed 24 home runs. He didn't allow one in this start. That wasn't the problem here at the Giants. But now four earned runs or more in four of his last seven starts. And his 24 home runs allowed this year, Charlie Morton's, are a career high by six. Six. So in a year where home runs are going down, where, where pitchers are less vulnerable to them overall, Charlie Morton has been more vulnerable to them than ever. And, and I think that pretty much explains it. Because, like, that's that's going to impact ERA in a way nothing else can, and he's he's uh, he's zigging well everyone zags in the worst possible way, and I don't know what it means for his prospects next year. I I think he's he's talked about retiring before. There's a chance we don't see him next year, but um, if we do. It's going to be a tough player to to analyze because yes, it's it's out of character for him to allow uh, this many fly balls and and by virtue of that, this many home runs. But you know, can't be sure how likely he is to bounce back either. Yeah, it's been a weird season for Charlie Morton. Obviously, coming back from the broken leg in the World Series last year. Maybe that contributed to the slow start to the season, but he's just been really inconsistent. He went through that stretch, like you said, Scott, where we just we thought he was back, and you know he he pitched very well during that. It was probably like an eight ten start stretch, something like that. But now again, it's you know he's allowed exactly four earned runs in three of his last four starts. He's got a five point two nine ERA during that span. He's given up a lot of hard contact uh, over those last four starts. The home runs, you're absolutely right. Uh, even if you look at home runs per nine, 1.37 is his highest since 2010. And that's, you know, back when he was a completely different pitcher with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So I, I don't <laughs> a know. A really bad pitcher. That was the worst year of his career. Yeah. I don't know that there's anything we could have done to see this coming. It, it seems just kind of fluky when a pitcher's well, ground ball rate just dips yeah. that much. I remember Aaron Nola, this happened with him last year, where his ground ball rate out of nowhere, career low, giving up more fly balls as a result, just more home runs went out of the park. And I just don't really know that there's anything we could have done to project it or, or see it coming. It's just yeah, kind it's, of one it's of those either a, It's either things. a fluke or it's a skill change, and, and those okay. are things you can't predict. So I'm not, I'm not going to beat myself up over that. But... Um, in terms of what it means for the rest of this season, I think I, I don't think he should drop Charlie Moore. And he's still, you know, he's he's got uh, 187 strikeouts this year, and he's has a great supporting cast. But I I think we do treat him as more of a matchups play down the stretch. And I know uh, in a couple of my shallower leagues, I've I've been sitting him more than I've been starting him lately. Last point on Charlie Morton, the walks are up this year as well, 3.2 walks per nine. So you couple that with the home runs, and obviously just bad things are going to happen then. He looks like he's in line for two starts. I guess we'll find out for sure tomorrow, Scott, once you go through the schedules and we project next week. But if he does face the Nationals and at the Phillies, like CBS says he will, would you start him in that two-star week? Yeah, probably. Certainly in points leagues, in 
Roto, you might weigh how much you need ERA and whip versus how much you need wins and strikeouts. But probably, probably start Morton for those for that two start week. And uh, then maybe not again. Well, uh, looks like he'll his follow. So after the Nationals and Phillies next week, looks like the next start would be against the Mets. And then he may get one more against the Marlins uh, during that extra long scoring period. So the, the final scoring period of the season will be a week and a half. So almost every pitcher will have two starts, which will be interesting. But if, if Morton, if one of Morton's is against the Marlins, you may have to think about it then too. So maybe you do end up starting in the next two weeks <laughs> for, uh, for all my uh, talk of him being a match matchups play. Oh my goodness gracious for me, I wanted to choose an obscure hitter and there was no shortage of those here on Wednesday, but Mark Mathias, he, I brought him up yesterday, I think we just kind of glossed over him. He followed up a double dong from Tuesday with a sock and a shoe on Wednesday, his sixth home run, his third steal, and he's now started, I believe it's three straight games and he wasn't playing before that, but he is now getting some run on a team that likes to run in Texas, and he had an interesting season in the minors. He's a journeyman type. He's 28 years old, but in 58 games down in the minors, he hit 322, nine homers, 13 steals, a 940 OPS. He's only 1% rostered. He has second base and outfield eligibility. He's got six games next week. Obviously, this isn't you know a standard league, a three outfielder league kind of play, but it's got in deeper leagues, five outfielder leagues, it's kind of hard to overlook what this guy has done the past two days. Well, who was he starting against today? It was J.P. Sears, right? A left-hander. Yeah. So the Rangers have faced four straight left-handers. Mm, he he basically just starts against left-handers. Ah. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to overlook it. Ah. All right. Well, I tried to go with an obscure hitter, <laughs> but it's just like two massive games in a row, but. Yeah, perhaps yeah. that is why he wasn't playing uh, before. But I, you know what? This might have earned him more playing time, though. You know, putting together two games like this. But we'll see how it's the possible. weekend goes for it's him. Possible. If he continues to play, then maybe he's someone we're adding over the weekend. Again, in those deeper five outfielder leagues, it's, you know, outfield has been Look, terrible. So I know some people are probably desperate in those formats. Looks like only one left-hander on the schedule for the Rangers next week. So if, if you know, he starts sitting once the righties come back, then... We can probably ignore Matthias. Okay. I did have a few other deep league outfielders kind of in that same range. Seth Brown, he's only 35% rostered. He went one for four with his 22nd home run. He has six home games next week in the launching pad known as Oakland Coliseum. However, it looks like he is set to face Robbie Ray, Luis Castillo, George Kirby, and Jacob deGrom. So... I don't know how excited I am to play Seth Brown and Will Myers quietly playing well. He went three for four with a double and a run scored. He has started seven straight games for the Padres and in 32 games since returning, he's hitting 290 with three homers, eight doubles, hitting the ball hard, 91 mile per hour average exit velocity. He's 17% rostered, six games next week, three of those in Coors Field. So Scott, can I interest you in uh, Will Myers or Seth Brown for next week? Mm, I mean, it depends how deep the league is. 
you know, I, I look out there and I see Joey Manessis is still 52% rostered. I see Gunnar Henderson is still 16%. Gunnar Henderson is still 69% rostered. I see Oscar Gonzalez is still 44% rostered. He just homered again. Oscar Gonzalez now in his past 10 games, batting 410 with four homers, four doubles. If if any of those guys are available, then obviously you're not you're not thinking about Will Myers. I'm, I imagine I'll come up with 10 sleeper hitters for next week that doesn't include Myers. But if you're talking about a deeper scenario than that, if he's got a series at Coors Field and is playing regularly enough, then sure, it's it's possible he could factor. Okay. And Seth Brown, probably not with those matchups, right? Yeah, probably not. Okay. And they're both ahead of Mark Mathias, I would imagine. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I just don't think the playing time is going to be there for Mathias. But as you point out, if that changes, then... So does the the math on that thinking. Let's talk about Gunnar Henderson, because I was surprised to see that he was only 69% rostered, as you mentioned. He went two for four with a double and a triple. Actually turned into a little league home run because there was an error in left field. Uh, but he added four RBI. He's batting 320 with an 890 OPS early on here. And he's got seven games next week. Three lefties on the schedule. Now... It looks like Gunnar Henderson only has six at-bats against left-handed pitching so far. I know he's mostly played every day, but I just kind of wonder. I just kind of wonder if he's going to start all three against left-handed pitching. So it's just something in the back of my mind, Scott. Um, Do you think Gunnar Henderson should be universally rostered more than just 69%? So the Orioles have faced two left-handers since he got called up. He started against the first. He sat against the second one. That was Sunday. That was the only game he's... The only time he hasn't been in the lineup. Would I sit him? I I think if I was already inclined to start him, I wouldn't be scared away by the three left-handers on the schedule. He may sit one or two of those games. It's a seven-game week overall for the Orioles, so I don't think that's a deal-breaker if, if you need the production of somebody like Henderson. And if it's a standard head-to-head lineup, they're, they're, you know you probably have short, third, second base covered without Henderson, and, and he's you know more somebody you're considering for u- your utility spot. Okay, maybe you sit him in that scenario. But if it's, again, if it's something where you're, you're, you've, you've had a problem at one of the positions where Henderson's available and, and he looks like the, the miracle solution for you, then, yeah, I would say go ahead and start him. The two most added third basemen on CBS right now are Eduardo Escobar and Josh Young. Would you take Gunnar Henderson over both of those? I would. I agree. Oscar Gonzalez, you already got to him, Scott. We mentioned him yesterday. He's extremely hot right now. His ninth home run, he's got four homers over his last six games. He's 44% rostered. He's got seven games next week. So if you need an outfielder, I think Oscar Gonzalez is probably one of, if not the top hitter ads right now. So... Uh, Again, that is for next week, and I have a sneaky feeling he'll be one of your sleeper hitters on tomorrow's podcast as well. Let's take a look at a few middle infielders here, Scott. Probably more so for, you know, 12-team Roto Leagues, maybe something even deeper than that. But Kyle Farmer went 2-for-4 with his 11th home run, and he's got six games next week, two tough matchups against Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. Elvis Andrus just continues to turn back the clocks. He went 2-for-4 with his 10th steal. Uh, He's 40% rostered. He's got six home games next week. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, specifically if you need speed, he went one for three with two steals. He's now up to 20 on the season. And over his last 19 games, he's hitting 299 
with two homers and five steals, eight strikeouts to seven walks. That is IKF. He's 36% rostered, six home games next week as well. Last one, Rodolfo Castro, who we have not talked much about, and he's quietly doing some interesting things right now. He went two for five with a sock and a shoe, his ninth homer, his fifth steal. His last 32, well, 32 games since rejoining the Pirates. He's hitting 263, eight homers, three steals. He's only 5% rostered. He's got second, third, shortstop eligibility. He looks kind of interesting right now. Scott, what do you think about these four? How would you rank them? Kyle Farmer, Elvis Andrus, IKF, Rodolfo Castro. Well, mostly according to their matchups next week, because that's the stage of the season we're in. Mm-hmm. Uh... And I'm looking at them right now. Obviously, tomorrow I'll be able to say with more confidence how the matchups look for each of these teams. But just at a glance here, it looks good for for basically all of them. I and mean, Kyle Farmer probably has the worst matchups facing Woodruff and Burns, it looks like. Uh, but Elvis Andrews has a three-game series against the Tigers. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa has uh, the Pirates and the Red Sox. That sounds pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to rank them Elvis Andrews first, then Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, then Kyle Farmer, then Rodolfo Castro, who don't have a lot, don't have a ton of confidence in him. Definitely think he has more to prove still. While the others, they've shown they can give you a good week when when they're rolling and the matchups are right. So yeah, again, that's Andrews, Kiner-Falefa, Farmer, and then Rodolfo Castro. I do have one catcher on the list. Danny Jansen went two for three with two doubles and two runs scored. And in his last 15 games, he's hitting 386 with three home runs. He's 22% rostered and he has six road games next week. And I don't know why this is, but his splits are much better on the road this season. Uh, it's got another... You know, this is more of like a two-catcher, obviously, in, in a second-catcher in two-catcher leagues. Would you rather have Danny Jansen or Eric Haas, who has popped up recently? I'll take Haas. But any interest in Danny Jansen, or are you just not really buying this? Stretch? I mean, he's fine as a second-catcher, but, you know, it's it's <laughs> it's hard to get excited about a second-catcher on any level. He's fine. He's, he's another option you can use in that spot. All right. I referenced this earlier, but what do we do with these two Rockies hitters in particular? Charlie Blackman now in the second half is hitting 217 with two home runs and a 550 OPS. Yet he's still 95% rostered. Maybe it's the name, value, whatever it might be. The Rockies have seven home games next week, which normally that's just, okay, auto, plug and play. But, you know, Charlie Blackman has had home games in the second half and as I just referenced, his second half has been quite bad. Same thing could be said for Brendan Rodgers, who over his last 30 games is hitting 222 with one home run and a 616 OPS, yet he's still 86% rostered. Scott, is this just plug him in because it's seven games in Colorado? Or, I don't know, do we shy away because they've just been so bad? I think it's the former. I think he's still starting at Colorado. You don't have to start them, obviously, if you have studs at the positions they play, and and you you wouldn't have had much interest in them start in starting them, except for me saying, yeah, you should go ahead and start them. If that's like your only rationale for doing it, then 
you know, I'm, I'm probably not talking to you, but if you're thinking about sitting them now because, oh, this guy's been killing me lately, I, I think the last full week at Coors Field is not the time to do that. I think you go ahead and run them out there one more time and and hope uh, hope it goes better this time. The two most added outfielders on CBS, Jake McCarthy and Oscar Gonzalez. Would you drop Charlie Blackman for either or both? I'm going to say no because I... Well, I know McCarthy has horrible matchups next week. Yeah. And let me double check because you, you, you already you already told everybody Gonzalez is going to be in my sleeper hitters for next week. <laughs> double check those matches. Kind of kind of middle of the road there. Probably will be among my sleeper hitters, but not a guarantee. Um, I could see if it's a categories league and you want home runs specifically, then I would drop Charlie Blackman for Oscar Martinez. But otherwise, if it's a points league, if, if, if it's not home runs you're looking for, then I think stick with Blackman. That's Oscar Gonzalez, by the way, Scott. You said Oscar Martinez. Hmm. Yeah. I was trying to remember the first name and then messed <laughs> up the last name. Oscar Gonzalez. Yeah, Oscar Gonzalez. Right. If you need home runs, Oscar Gonzalez. Otherwise, Charlie Blackman. In terms of the middle infielders, I mentioned Eduardo Escobar has second base eligibility. Let's take a look at shortstop. Elvis Andrus, someone we've talked about a lot. Let's say those two, Scott. Elvis Andrus, Eduardo Escobar, would you take either or both over Brendan Rodgers for next week? No, I'd go with Rodgers. All right, so we're sticking with him through thick and thin. Let's take a look at some (laughs) waiver wire pitchers. And we've talked about Nick Lodolo a bunch recently. You're probably tired of it, but... Man, when you put up 11 strikeouts and back-to-back starts, you just got to keep talking about you. So he winds up with a quality start up against the Pirates. He goes six and a third, three runs allowed, 11 strikeouts, 16 swinging strikes. And over his last six starts, Nick Lodolo, 2.76 ERA, 49 strikeouts to just six walks over 39 and two-thirds innings pitched. He is 74% rostered and looks like he might have two starts next week up against the Red Sox and the Brewers. Ross Stripling has now turned in six straight quality starts, this one up against Tampa Bay, and he went six and a third. He gave up one run with four strikeouts. These are more shallow league plays at this point. 78% rostered. Uh, Looks like he also has two starts at Philly and at Tampa Bay. And then Kyle Gibson, he's 74% rostered. He got back on track. Solid start against the Marlins. I don't really think he's in this conversation. He's more of a streamer, if anything. And his matchups next week are the Blue Jays and the Braves, so... Don't really like that very much for Kyle Gibson. Um, but I guess, Scott, let's just talk about Nick Lodolo and Ross Stripling. What you saw from them, I, I think obviously if, if they do have two starts, we're going to be excited to add yeah. and start both of them next week. Well, yeah, I've been saying for a while now Nick Lodolo is the most uh, attractive pitcher to pick up for down the stretch, looking at his matchups going forward. Obviously, well, did he come through in this Pirates start? He gave you a bunch of strikeouts. He ended up taking the loss, though, so that's unfortunate um but it it clearly wasn't a bad start for your team just we would have preferred to see him get the win uh yeah i mean he's he's looked great he looks like he's emerging as the kind of pitcher we we hoped he could be of his 16 swinging strikes in this one 13 came on the curveball which he threw 40 percent of the time normally it's at 30 percent of the time so he 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 threw his best pitch more, which is normally a formula for success. 
and just seems to get better and better every time out. So Nick Lodolo, probably a fixture in your lineup down the stretch. Stripling, yeah, I'll take him if it's a two-start week. A little less confident in the ability, more concerned that it's smoke and mirrors, but if nothing else, like he has great control, and, and now his whip is below one. ERA, he's kept it below three for a while now. And you know, early in the season, I was writing him off because he wasn't going to deep, wasn't going deep into starts. That's clearly not a problem anymore. Six straight quality starts for Ross Stripling, which of course means they were all six innings or more. I remember that exactly that you said, Scott. And I think Ross Stripling might have been listening because, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. six straight quality starts. The guy's going maybe. Deep. Um, is he? Is he? He's been on the podcast before. That's true. He has been on the podcast. That, you know, Friend of the show. I, I think I was working here for a month and we had Ross Stripling on. And obviously I was nervous. I, you know, I haven't done many podcasts with current athletes or anything like that. I think it went pretty well. You could, you could go back and listen to it on demand. But no, nah, he was a nice guy. And uh, he's pitching really well right now. So I think more of a high floor play than Lodolo. Probably more of like a ceiling guy. But Stripling has been awesome. So I absolutely trust him down the stretch here. A few other waiver wire pitchers much more widely available talk about getting it done down down the stretch drew smiley another solid start at the mets doesn't go too deep only five innings one uh two runs allowed one under uh one earned run allowed excuse me five strikeouts in this one and now over his last eight starts a 2.25 era 41 strikeouts over 44 and a third 13.8 percent swinging strike rate and as i mentioned with the Cubs pitchers on yesterday's podcast. They have amazing matchups next week. CBS says Drew Smiley will face the Marlins and the Pirates. Even if he doesn't have a two-star week, he's facing one of those teams. And those are both amazing matchups. So, man, if you need a streamer, Drew Smiley is 34% rostered, and he is widely, widely available. The other one I wanted to mention, kind of in this same conversation, Brian Bayo. Solid, some rough defense behind him. The Red Sox, I mean, looking like the bad news bears out there. It was (laughs) inside the park home run. It was like a little league home run that they allowed to Glaber Torres. But he goes five innings, three unearned runs, six strikeouts for Brian Bayo. And now over his last five starts since returning, 2.87 ERA over a strikeout per inning, 50% ground ball rate, 14% swinging strike rate. That's exactly what you want to see from a young pitching prospect who is, you know, just kind of getting his feet wet. So he's been awesome. Yeah. And uh, looks like he might be at the Reds and at the Yankees next week. So two starts for him as well. Scott, what do you think? Drew Smiley and Brian Bayo. Well, overall, Bayo's ground ball rate is is more like 60%. So yep. between that and getting the whiffs up, that changeup looks like a, a standout pitch for him. Trending the right direction. I, I, don't think, I don't think I'm going to be ready to use him this year because while he has looked better you know we're, we're still talking about one start where he went six innings another start during the stretch i think he had four walks so that it's still still a little shaky but you you see the talent beginning to come to, to shine through for brian bayo now and that that bodes well for next year yeah i agree with smiley he's a he looks like a, a great pickup for next week with those two matchups and uh 225 era in his last eight starts Four of the eight starts six innings or more, so it's not. It, it's it's 
enough volume to matter at least half the time. Yeah. For example, if I have Kyle Gibson on my team and he's 74% rostered and he's the worst pitcher on my team, I would have no problem dropping him for Drew Smiley for next week. Mm -hmm. Even if they both have two starts, Gibson's matchups are a lot tougher. So, yep, I agree. So, yeah, Drew Smiley, 34% rostered. Last one I wanted to mention, I don't think there's anything here, but Kyle Freeland has allowed two earned runs or fewer in four straight. He was at the White Sox, where he went six and two-thirds shutout with five strikeouts. And overall, the numbers are still pretty bad. He's 18% rostered and has the Giants and Padres next week, but both are in Coors Field. Yeah, so you're not going to use them. (laughs) (laughs) No. It's as simple as that. Fair enough. The drop-o-meter, Scott, it's been a while. One through ten. Ten, you could drop this player anywhere. One, you're going to want to hold on to this player. Mike Clevenger was rocked once again. He gave up six runs, over five innings pitched, three home runs allowed. And now over his last eight starts, he has a 6.61 ERA, and he's still 81% rostered. Where is Mike Clevenger on the drop-o-meter? I am looking at his matchups, and it's not looking good. (laughs) It looks like Cardinals and then a trip to Coors Field next week. So I'm not going to use him for that. those two starts. Frankly, Scott, I don't know that it matters with how bad he's pitching right now. Well, if he had two great matchups, I might think about it, at least uh, in a points league. Yeah. But, you know, you know if, if we were in June, Mike Clevenger, I'd be like, all right, we'll just sit on him for a while, see if he can turn this around. But in September, uh, I'm going to go to like nine on the drop-o-meter. Yeah. I... I'm dropping him for Stripling. I'm dropping him for Lodolo, obviously. Drew Smiley, I think I'm doing that one too. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, probably not for Bayo, though. Eh. No. No, I, I just, I don't think Bayo, I don't think you can trust Bayo. And I'm not saying you can trust Clevenger, but who's more likely to do damage against you? Probably Clevenger. All right. And the next one up here is David Peterson. He does not escape the first inning against the Chicago Cubs, who, by the way, they just swept the New York Mets. What is going on, Scott? I mean, obviously you're in a tight race here in the NL East, but yeah, Braves and Braves and Mets are playing hot potato. None of them wants to hold on to that division lead right now. I don't know t- what's going on. I can tell you that here in New York, it is crazy right now. Like Mets fans are absolutely freaking out about what's going on right now, and. Oh, we do this every year. We blow the division, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, it has happened very often, unfortunately, for them. It's kind of true. doesn't mean it's going to happen this year. Yeah. I hope it happens, if I'm being completely honest. Oof. But both both teams are obviously going to be in the postseason. Uh, the one that doesn't win the division, I guess, will be the second seed in the NL. So that would give them a bye, which is a big deal. But, you know. If you win the first round, then it's less of a big deal. So it's doesn't mean the sky is falling if 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 you don't win the division, Mets fans or Braves fans. Well, anywho, the reason I brought up the Mets was because David Peterson, again, did not escape the first inning. In fact, he recorded just one out. He gave up five runs on three walks and two hits, yet he's still 52% rostered, Scott. Where is he on the drop-o-meter? Ten. I mean, why yep. would you hold on to him at this point? The... He hasn't featured the slider since returning like he was uh, like he was earlier in the year and, and starting to look like a an asset. And then Jacob deGrom came in, bumped Peterson from the rotation, derailed all that progress he was making. 
And now since returning to the starting rotation, David Peterson has a 630 ERA in five starts. Only one of those five starts is what I'd call good. So yeah, no, no reason to bother with him anymore. At some point, Max Scherzer's coming back too. And, uh, and, and Peterson will be out of a job again. You know, Max Scherzer did make a rehab start here on Wednesday at AAA. I'll try and pull up his line. But in the meantime, we're going to take a quick break and we'll get to the news and notes here on Fantasy Baseball Today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats. The news and notes. Justin Verlander is in line to return on Friday against the Oakland A's. Scott, would you start him in daily lineup leagues? Uh, I didn't catch the name. Sorry. Justin, Justin Verlander. Yes, Verlander. I would. I would. It I might be a short start, but it's against the A's, so I would. Max Scherzer did make a rehab start at AAA on Wednesday, and he went three and two-thirds. He gave up one run with seven strikeouts, so it sounds like uh, he could be back as soon as next week. There was a rumor yesterday that he would be back on Monday, so if that's the case, we're looking at a two-start week for uh, good old Max Scherzer. And David Peterson, you're out of there! I actually have a perfect soundbite for that. He gone, he gone, and he gone, and he gone. And he gone. Jordan Alvarez, is he gone? Probably not. Hopefully not. He sat out Wednesday and said it was for maintenance purposes, not the recurring hand soreness. Not sure that I believe that, but hope you're all right. Trevor Story has missed two straight with left heel pain, but is likely to return Friday against the Royals. Reese Hoskins exited Wednesday's game after getting hit by a pitch on his right hand. X-rays were negative, thankfully. Seiya Suzuki is also headed for X-rays after being hit by a pitch on his left hand slash wrist. Luis Arise was pulled Wednesday due to left hamstring tightness. Tyler Malley is unlikely to return this season. He's on the IL with shoulder fatigue. Jorge Polanco, who is on the IL with a knee injury, could be activated at some point later this week. Hunter Green will officially return on Saturday against the Cardinals and is 63% rostered. Scott, would you look to pick Hunter Green back up? He has the Brewers next week. I... Wouldn't mind picking him up, but I would not be looking to use him in that start. Okay, so I presume he's obviously behind Lodolo, probably behind Drew Smiley as well. Uh, yes, he's behind both of them. In turn, I'm, I'd like to pull up his matchups and see what he has remaining. If there's a realistic chance we would start him at some point, I'll do that real quick while you move on. All right, Tyler Glasnow will require multiple additional rehab appearances before returning from the IL. 
Eric Lauer threw off flat ground on Wednesday and manager Craig Council said the session was, quote, very positive. Lauer is on the IL with elbow inflammation. Aroldis Chapman is set to rejoin the Yankees on Friday. I don't think that will matter in the back end of the bullpen. Clay Holmes has basically regained that closer role uh, for the Yankees. Sean Manaya will re-enter the rotation and start Thursday against the D-backs. No, you should not play him in any leagues or any daily lineup leagues, obviously. <laughs> Aaron Savali will make a rehab appearance at AAA on Thursday. Could be back as soon as next week. And we do have a prospect call-up. Dre Jamison, a pitching prospect with the Diamondbacks, will make his debut Thursday against the Padres, which comes at an interesting time, Scott, because the minor league numbers for Dre Jamison this season, 6.31 ERA, 1.49 whip, and nearly a strikeout per inning, 132 strikeouts over 132 and two-thirds innings pitched. I assume this is just kind of a wait and let's see what happens with Dre Jamison. Yeah, I mean, he's a prospect of some stature. Sorry, I was looking ahead to the angry email. He's a prospect of some <laughs> uh, stature, and, and we've seen Ryan Nelson, who also had bad numbers at AAA for the Diamondbacks, uh, come up and immediately dominate both the Padres and the Dodgers. So maybe Jamison will surprise us too, and it's just, you know, the upper levels of the Diamondbacks system are really awful places to pitch. But... I would bet against it right now. And with the bad matchups coming up for the Diamondbacks overall, unlikely we're unlikely I'm going to be willing to use Jamison at any point to close out the season. All right, Scott. I don't ask you this often. Okay, well, wait, wait, wait. wait. Before, we, before we do that, <laughs> uh, I, I do want to mention Hunter Green. Okay. For that extra long final week of the season, he lines up to go against the Pirates and the Cubs. So okay. maybe worth stashing him for that. If he pitches horribly before then, you know, probably won't be, but you never know. All right, Scotty, close down the rundown. You can't look at it. I don't okay. want you to know what's coming here, all right? Okay. We've got an angry email from Jason. I have legit beef with Scotty Dubs. It's all in fun, but still. I'd like to start with this email, this email with a player comparison. See if Scott can answer these. Player A. 267 batting average, 22 homers, 62 RBI, and three steals. That is player A. Player B is batting 242 with 24 homers, 52 RBI, and six steals. Obviously, I'm not going to expect you to, to get these, Scott, but they are both outfielders. I guess that's your only clue. Uh, well, I mean, by the numbers you listed, the first outfielder has had... Let's see. Is it, is it mainly 20 points difference in batting average, three stolen bases difference? So I guess... Yeah, and 10 RBI. So who has more? Player A has more. Okay, so player A's had a little bit better of a season than player B, according according to those numbers. Uh, am I supposed to try and guess who they are? Just uh, based I mean, on those numbers? yeah, it's, it's completely unrealistic for you to guess them, so I'll just give you the answer. Player A is Jacques Peterson, and player B is Juan Soto. Now, Jason... How many, how many runs difference? Uh, that must be pretty massive, but I could pull that up for you. I, I, mean, I imagine it'd be a ton more for Soto, but that's interesting that he has, that Peterson has more RBI despite the playing time difference so, between the two. Jock Peterson has 50 runs scored and Juan Soto 
he must have a bunch more. That's probably why he didn't include it because <laughs> that, <'cause> that <laughs> wouldn't go along with the uh, with the argument. Yeah, it's Juan Soto destroyed. has. Destroys the narrative. Juan Soto has 84 runs scored, so you know just uh, a just difference. a mere 34 run difference. <laughs> uh, every season, I listen to Scott trash players who are outperforming expectations. Then, just the other day, Juan Soto gets brought up. This was, I think, Thursday or Friday's podcast last week. Frank calls him a bust, and Scott has the audacity to sit there and point out that. Well, he's the number three outfielder in points leagues. Well, that's great. I don't care. I play in roto leagues, and he's been terrible relative to expectations. So I have to listen to Scott trash players like Peterson, for example, who are doing well, only to have him defend Juan Soto. Find me a bigger first-round bust than Soto, excluding injuries, in the last three to four seasons. Well, if you're going to exclude injuries. Take that, Scott. <laughs> well, I, I mean, look, half of our audience roughly plays in points leagues. So I I think it's fair to point out that he's been the third best. I don't know that that's still true. So, But I do think it's fair to point out. It, is trashing players who are doing well something I'm known for? Is this like, is this part of my MO? I, I, I didn't know that was a thing. I do think that, at times, you are slower to come around on players, which I'm sure you have. Me? Your, your Compared reasons. to like Chris? You kidding me? Well, yeah, I mean, Chris is a whole different story. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk to Chris about that when he returns, I don't know, sometime in January or February. But No, let's, let's trash him when he's not here. No, I'm just yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I think you it could take you some time to come around on players. And I mean, specifically yeah. for Jock Peterson... You know, he's just been around for so long. I will point like, the StatCast data looked really, really promising early on in the season. And for the most part, he did fade. I think the big Yeah, he, dis- he disappeared during the middle of the season. He, he was hot early. He's He's been hot more recently. But there was a long stretch where he just wasn't worth playing. The bigger point, I think, is if you play in a Roto or Categories League, if you just left Jock Peterson in your lineup all season... That's a pretty good stat line that he's provided you all year. Like he's a top 120 player in Roto this year, and that that's based, that was my takeaway. Is when I looked into where these guys rank, Soto is the 81st overall player, Jock Peterson 114th. You know, if you just left Jock in your lineup all year, he's he's been really productive. Yeah, I, I think his ADP it, it was it would outside fine. the top 250 or something like that. And looking at the monthly breakdown. There was a, July was a horrible month for him. He had 133 no home runs. Mm-hmm. May the batting average was low, but he still hit six home runs. Like obviously, if if you're talking about a head-to-head scenario, he's out of the lineup so much that it makes him harder to use. But if you're talking right. about a five outfielder roto league, yeah, I mean he would you would have been fine just planting him there. Yeah. So that I mean that's my biggest takeaway, right? Like Jock Peterson is the perfect example of someone who is better in a roto format where, okay, just give me whatever his numbers are at the end of the season, but it's kind of, it's going to be rough getting there. And in a head-to-head league, you don't want that. You want someone that's more consistent uh, throughout, you know, on a week-to-week basis, obviously. Well, I I mean, also, Jock Peterson's batting average is a career high this year by 20 points. So that's, we can't, uh, we can't leave that out, is that he's, He's uh, done something he's never done before. Yeah. Hey, it's the Giants devil magic. But just to put a bow on this email, I guess, Juan Soto has has been a huge disappointment in, in Roto this year. There's no doubt about it. I, I don't know what that will mean for his draft stock 
Next year, uh, he's still a first-round player, I believe, in head-to-head points leagues. You know, mm-hmm. is he more of like a first, second-round turn, or does he drop to the second round in a, in a categories league? I find it hard to believe, but I don't know. I think there's going to be people like, what was his name? Jason, who uh, probably will shy away from Juan Soto next year. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I, I think... I think he'll still be a first rounder in all formats. It might be a late first rounder in Roto, but I mean, this is coming into the season. This is the guy I think most people would have said is the best hitter in baseball. Um, certainly among the best in history, age 19 through 22. And I mean, anybody who walks 40 times more than they strike out, like, I mean, it's it's just hard to it's hard to fail when you have that good of an eye and and are capable of putting the ball over fence on any level. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I, I I expect a big bounce back for Juan Soto next year to the extent that he did disappoint this year. All right, let's get into some fill in the blank here, Scott. And these are going to be more so geared toward next season, and I think it's. A good idea and it's a fun idea to incorporate some of those things because some people who might still be listening maybe they're out of their head-to-head playoffs or they're not really competing in their roto leagues you know we want a reason for you all to stick around so we'll have a little fun with with some things here down the stretch and first up we have julio rodriguez who had another fantastic game here on wednesday he went two for three with a sock and a shoe his 26th home run his 25th steal so now Officially a 25-25 season for him. But that is Julio's just just his fourth steal since July 7th. That is a 43-game stretch. So that is a 13-steal pace over 150 games. So, Scott, your fill-in-the-blank is, I would reasonably, reasonably project blank steals for Julio Rodriguez next season. Oh, I don't think I can reasonably project anybody's steals next season because of the rule changes. I, th- I think the landscape, the, the stolen base landscape is going to change completely, as I've talked about recently here, and, and in ways that are going to be very hard to predict. So if we just ignore that aspect of it, you know, the fact that he had 19 steals in the first three months versus six here in the last three months uh, would suggest to me that that he's going to be running less moving forward, as as often happens with middle of the order bats. So, it, you know, if we're if we're excluding the effect of the rule changes and however that might change the league landscape, I would comfortably predict fifteen steals for Julio Rodriguez next year. But it may end up being thirty because things change that much as far as uh, helping base runners. And I think that's within his range of outcomes. We probably don't talk about this as much as we should, but. Julio will have a very big range of outcomes. Just being the young player that he is, it's, it's kind of hard to project guys like that. Um, he's a freak physically in terms of power. It wouldn't surprise me if he hit 40-plus home runs and stole 20 to 30 bases. But I, I think, Scott, you're you're in the right ballpark. I think 15 I mean, to 20. I mean, does he grow into being a 40-40 guy? Is he it's possible. Alex Rodriguez? You know, I mean, that, that's, yeah. that doesn't seem outside the realm of possibility looking what he's already capable of doing. He's so young. At his age, yeah. yeah. He is 21 years old. Look, He's a 25-25 player at, at, at 21 years old. So I'm asking you to do the near impossible, Scott. But if uh, just heading into next season, if you draft Julio in a categories league, 
I think you just kind of safely project 15 to 20 steals and anything more that you get than that, that's just gravy at that point. Let's talk about his teammate, Luis Castillo. Who- <laughs> I, I mean, I think he's, if things play out with the new rules, like I think they're going to play out, he will have more than 15. But relative yes. to the league, I mean, we're going to see increases all over the place. So it's just, right. it's just, it's, it's going to be a major headache for next year, as if we haven't had enough of those the past few years. Luis Castillo turned in a very strong start once again up against the Padres. Six shutout with nine strikeouts. He had 16 swinging strikes on 99 pitches and in eight starts with the Mariners, a 2.38 ERA, 60 strikeouts over 49 and a third innings pitched. Scott, Luis Castillo will be a top blank starting pitcher drafted next season. Oh, without lining up all the names, I have him in my top. 10, I think, rest of season. But obviously, there are going to be some others who I rank lower who will move ahead of him because of health and workload expectations uh, being improved for them. I think Luis Castillo, I feel pretty good about him being drafted as... I'm only going to say top 20. It could be top 15, but I'm going to say, just to play it conservatively, top 20. I think that's a good range as well. I thought I have him 15th right now, but for the reasons you mentioned, yeah, I think 15 to 20. Once again, same thing as uh, Julio Rodriguez, 15 to 20. Sounds right for Luis Castillo. JT Realmuto went two for four with a double dong revenge game against the Marlins. Now up to 18 home runs total, and it has been a tale of two seasons. First three months, JT Realmuto hit 239 with a 677 OPS. From July on, he has hit 323, 13 of his 18 home runs, seven steals, and an OPS that is now pushing 1,000 during that time. So, JT Real Muto is a top blank catcher drafted next season. Uh, let's say top three catcher drafted next season just because of the track record and, of course, the way he's come around this year and, and because... I'm not sure who the buzzy player is going to be a catcher next year. Like Adley Rushman would make sense. I guess Alejandro Kirk might make sense too. I was wondering who the data darling is at the position. It might be Kirk, but uh, I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say top three for Real Muto. I don't know who exactly the other two are going to be. It could be any of probably like six players. It's, it's, <laughs> Catcher's going to be a, a different. It's going to be a different world at catcher next season because there are a lot of new options who have already emerged there, and I think it's going to keep getting deeper. Look at some, looking at some of the the talent still to come. Carlos Rodon turned in a, a solid start up against the Braves. He went five innings, one unearned run with eight strikeouts. Uh, however, velocity down once again. I mean, it's it's a roller coaster with Rodon's velocity this year, up and down, up and down. He still finds ways to to be productive, so can't really complain. But the fastball was down uh, nearly two miles per hour. The slider down a mile, one point five miles per hour. Uh, but still a great season. Two point eight four ERA, two hundred and twenty strikeouts, just ridiculous stuff. Scott Carlos Rodon will be drafted in round blank next season. Oh, you want a round? Yeah. Obviously, a big difference between points and categories. Or you could give me a round range if that's easier. Well, in points leagues, let's start with that. Carlos Rodon, I'll say round three. In categories leagues, I will say round 
Is he going to be back with the Giants next year? Yeah, two-year deal. I think he has an opt-out, though. Oh. He had to get to a certain innings limit or innings minimum. Yeah, he he, he met the innings minimum. Yeah. So, yeah, he, oh, yeah good he, chance he opts out. Yeah, he's going to do that. I'll say between round five and six. In categories? Say, yeah. You know, you think that's too high? No, no. You think I, that's too low? Too low, yeah. I, I think he's probably <laughs> just a round three pick regardless. Really? Yeah, I mean, hmm. he's... Where, where, do you, where do you see him being among starting pitchers next year? I have him ranked as my, I think, sixth or seventh pitcher right now. So I have him ranked ahead of Luis Castillo. Yeah, he'll be ahead of Luis Castillo, but will he be ahead of Verlander? Will he be... He's not going to be ahead of McClanahan or Burns or Cole... Or Degrom, if Degrom is healthy, correct. Or Alcantara. I mean, how many pitchers are you going to draft? And uh, like, I'm going hitter crazy early yeah. in roto leagues. No, I, I'm not so. saying like where you will take them. But I, I know, but yeah. I, I just I don't think we're going to get deep enough into starting pitchers through three rounds for okay. for Carlos Rodon to go that early. That's that's my read on it. Let's say he's Wheeler's probably going earlier. Let's, Woodruff. Let's say he's like the twelfth pitcher drafted. That's probably round three or four. I would say. I'm not sure Zach Wheeler would go earlier, come to think of it. I think so. You think so? Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with round five. Okay. So I'm round three it. in points, round five in categories. Yep. That is Carlos Rodon, who I am seeing a little injury sign next to on CBS. So Oh. Let me uh Oh, breaking I'll, news. I'll pull that up and, and see what's broken? going on with him. The last one that I have here is Corbin Carroll, who hit his third home run. And it was 107 miles per hour off the bat. He is 100th percentile in sprint speed, according to StatCast, yet he does not have a stolen base yet. I think those are going to come in bunches for years to come. Uh, He's 70% rostered. We mentioned we don't really like the Diamondbacks matchups for next week, but this is more about next season. Corbin Carroll will likely be drafted between rounds blank and blank. So I'm giving you some leeway here, Scott, some a little bit of a range next season. Corbin Carroll. Between rounds, blank and blank. Uh, hmm. If he doesn't get any stolen bases, that will that might suppress the the, the cost. Now, again, I, I think he's going to be a big base dealer, especially with the changes happening uh, uh, rule-wise next year. But uh, let's say between 8 and 12, that's where Corbin Carroll will go. I was thinking between six and eight, but that might just be in a categories league more than anything. I, you know, I think I think he'll be fine for a points league as well. But I would not draft him that early. I I feel pretty confident saying that it's it does seem like he's the sort of player who could build up enough buzz to go that early, especially if people are thinking, "Oh, big, we got a big time base dealer here," Mm -hmm. despite despite what's happened along those lines so far. Carlos Rodon, by the way, left his start with a blister on Wednesday. So perhaps that contributed to the velocity being down. Yeah, hopefully he's good enough to uh, make his next start. Or hopefully he's not because it's in Colorado. So I don't really like that, but obviously. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think he's of the caliber. You still want him starting at Colorado. Yeah, that's true. Uh, all right, so some fill in the blank there, and let's wrap up with some leftovers here from Wednesday's action. Let's check in on Edward Cabrera. It's been a while since we've talked about him. A solid start against the Phillies. He went five and a third. He gave up two runs. He had four strikeouts. 
with 14 swinging strikes on 98 pitches, 2.70 ERA, 1.08 whip. Uh, however, the underlying number is not nearly as good. 4.60 FIP, 4.23 XFIP for Edward Cabrera. What have you seen, Scott, so far from uh, Cabrera? And I, I kind of think he's going to be in that mix with Lodolo as the young, breakout, trendy, hype starting pitchers for next season. I think Lodolo is going to go earlier, unless unless Cabrera's just awesome in his last three starts or four, however many he has left. Because there have been some good indicators, and I know there 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 have been times where I've talked about more than others, but just not efficient enough is what it comes down to. Makes them hard to use, and we don't expect the Marlins to be a great supporting to provide him with a great. Uh, to support next year either. So that'll be a knock against him. And just, is he going to be able to go six innings consistently enough? Good ground ball skills, a pre- good, good bat missing skills. But yeah, this is now in his past four starts. He has 11 walks in 21 and two thirds innings. It's hard to succeed that way. Yeah. That, that's the biggest drawback right now. It's four and a half walks per nine. You might ask, why are the underlying numbers so much higher than the actual ERA? He has a 199 BABIP. That's not sustainable. He has an 89% strand rate. League average is 75-ish percent, something like that. So, yeah, he's been kind of lucky in that regard. He does do a really good job limiting hard contact and obviously getting whiffs. I think he's going to grow as a pitcher. Um, Oh, yeah. Working with Sandy Alcantara, like... I, I watch Marlins games too much. Don't tell anyone that, but... They, <laughs> I can't watch Marlins games. <laughs> they they talk about how Sandy has taken Cabrera under his wing and that he's, you know, a student of the game and he's, like, trying to learn as much as he can from Sandy. I I, I, I see a big jump coming. I, I think I'm probably just going to be higher than everyone else on Edward Cabrera, but I do like him quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, there, there's obviously upside there and he could take a huge leap. It's, But, you know, you could say that about a bunch of pitchers. Sure. Yep. Some pitching standouts. Part one, Christian Javier turns in his first quality start since August 20th. He was at the Tigers. He went six shutout with eight strikeouts in this one. And I did see a sequence where he was pitching to Javier Baez, which was the worst plate appearance I may have ever seen in my life. Scott Christian Javier threw four sliders in a row that were six inches to a foot off the plate. Javier Baez swung at each one of them. And he it's not like he even, th- like, he didn't think twice about it. He just did it each and every time. It was prime Javier Baez stuff. Nestor Cortez had a solid outing at the Red Sox. He went five innings, one run, seven strikeouts. Sonny Gray probably haven't given him enough credit as he deserves. Tied a season high with seven innings pitched uh, up against the Royals. He went seven shutout with eight strikeouts in that one. His ERA is down to 2.91. And then Corbin Burns struggled early on in the start, but did settle down. He went seven innings, three runs allowed with five strikeouts at the Cardinals. Anything you'd like to add on Burns, Sonny Gray, Nestor Cortez, and Christian Javier? Yeah, I thought I, well, first of all, it's funny that you say that about Baez because he actually had a pretty good game otherwise. (laughs) He did. He's had a, a solid month here, not enough to redeem his season, obviously. Uh, by the way, Eugenio Suarez, we didn't mention him. Six home runs in his past six games. 
And remember, he was he had a huge September last year too, three fifty five with seven home runs. He's doing it again, so that I find interesting. Obviously, we've we've talked about him having a bounce back season and and becoming a useful fantasy option again. So in the second half, Sonny Gray. I was looking up this note. I was stalling there to find it. Second half, Sonny Gray now has a. 198 ERA, 104 whip, 9.7 K per nine. And probably means he's going to be overdrafted next year because that's always how this goes with him. But looking pretty trustworthy right now. Uh, I'm not sure the matchups even matter that much. Not He's not exactly must start, but it would be hard to sit him. Let me see if I can pull up his matchups real quick. So next week, maybe a two-star pitcher, White Sox and Tigers. Got to like that. Love it. I mean, that's all. (laughs) You know what? That's all that. Ah, crap. I I jumped ahead a week again. Yeah, so it's the Angels and Guardians next week. Uh, Okay. Yeah, still pretty good. Yep. But then the final week, that long week, it's, it's White Sox and Tigers are all that the Twins face. So you got to like that for Sonny Gray. I don't think that he's going to be overdrafted, Scott. I, I think he's still going to fly under the radar. I, I think enough people have kind of been burned by Sonny Gray. I, I could be yeah. wrong about that, but... No, I, I, you're probably right. I was kind of just making a joke. <laughs> so I'm hitting leftovers. Don't worry, Scott. I was getting there to Eugenio Suarez. He went one for okay. four with his 31st home run, 11th most in Major League Baseball. So nice, impressive bounce back season for him. Jose Ramirez went two for four with his 27th home run. He has just one steal since July 27th, which I thought was pretty interesting. That is a 45-game stretch where Jose Ramirez has a sub-800 OPS. So, going to have to dive in. I know he was dealing with an injury, I think it was like back in June or July, that caused him to slow down, but... So, who's going to be the first player drafted next year? It's not going to be Tatis. It's not going to be Acuna. You. (laughs) I thought it was going to be Jose Ramirez. But he's been kind of shaky here. Um, I still think it's probably going to be him. It's not going to be Juan Soto. We've already covered that. Aaron Judge. I th- I don't. I, I, I th- that feels risky. Aaron Judge won overall yeah. to me. But in Roto, it, it will be Trey Turner still. I think. Okay. Yeah. I guess. I guess. Uh, I, I think Mookie Betts is in that conversation again now. I, I mean, I'd rather have Jose Ramirez than Trey Turner, especially since Turner will be back to being just a shortstop. But yeah, I guess Trey Turner's in that discussion. Is Kyle Tucker in that discussion? He went two for four with his 27th home run. And in 36 games since the start of August, he is hitting 302 with eight homers and six steals. Uh, I think he's probably not in the first overall pick discussion, but he will be a mid to late first round pick. That is Kyle Tucker. Bryce Harper went one for three with his 17th home run. It's just his second homer in 16 games since returning from the IL. And as we mentioned, Dalton Varsho, two more hits, including his 25th home run. He now has seven homers uh, homers over his last 11 games. Wait, can I rewind to something? what you said about Tucker mid to late first round pick? So yep. are, are you saying then you would take Kyle Tucker over Juan Soto next year? In categories, for sure. For sure? For sure, yes. I don't think I would. I mean, 20, maybe I'm just overvaluing steals still, Scott, but. I mean, Kyle Tucker's disappointed with the batting average too. And not, and the, not the way that like, Soto has though. 
again, I, I think you're underestimating how the Steel's landscape is going to change. Juan, showed, Juan Soto has shown a willingness to run successfully in the past. And I, but not nearly as much as, I mean, Tucker has over 20 steals this year. Right, but if there's a democratization of stolen bases like we saw with home runs, I, 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 think, I think Soto will be taking advantage of those opportunities at least nearly as... Maybe that's a little too strong to say, I think this will happen, but I think he could take advantage of those opportunities just as often as Tucker will. Maybe I'm just paying too much attention to this season, but Kyle Tucker is a top 20 player in Roto this year. Well, yeah, but you're saying mid to late first round pick. Yeah, I mean, Juan Soto is... I'm, I'm not denying he's a second round pick. Yeah. I, I, I think he's there. I, I, personally, I, I think Tucker's there. Okay, I, but we, like I could see him being drafted in the first round. I'm yeah. not, I'm not saying that definitely won't happen, but I would rather have Soto. Calls to the bullpen for the Astros. Ryan Presley struck out two for his 28th save for the Rockies. Daniel Bard struck out the side, legitimately this time. He didn't give up any base runners for his 30th save for the Giants. Camilo Duvall struck out the side as well for his 23rd. For the Yankees, Clay Holmes gave up a run but did pick up his 20th save. For the Cubs, Brandon Hughes was unavailable. Mark Leiter Jr. picked up his second save. Rowan Wick pitched in the seventh. I told you they're just kind of done with Rowan Wick in high leverage situations. For the Cardinals, Ryan Helsley struck out two for his 17th. For the Rangers, Jose LeClerc entered in a one-run game, and he gave up two runs. Only one of them was earned, but he did wind up with the blown save and loss. On the other side, for Oakland, they had a one-run lead. Left-handed pitcher Sam Mole. That's M-O-L-L, recorded the first two outs, and then Domingo Acevedo recorded the final f- final out for, I don't know what number save this is for him, but I'm sure it's not many. It is his first, first save of the season. Streamers, Thursday, JT Brubaker at the Mets, Daniel Lynch at the Twins, Dylan Bundy versus the Royals, and Dre Jameson in his debut versus the Padres. I am going to take none of those guys. I <laughs> agree. We discussed yesterday, Thursday, not looking good for streamers. I agree. Friday, we have Herman Marquez at the Cubs, Marcus Stroman versus the Rockies, Matt Manning versus the White Sox, and Mitch Keller at the Mets. Uh, I'm okay with Herman Marquez at the Cubs. I'm okay on the other end, Marcus Stroman against the Rockies. Not saying either are musts, but they're probably the best you could do in the next two days. By the way, Craig Kimbrell, another disaster here today, mm. here on Wednesday. Yeah, it looks like that happened in extra innings. Came on for the save. He gave up three runs, two of those earned. His fifth blown save, sixth loss. ERA now over four for Craig Kimbrell. I, I, don't, I don't think Dave Roberts is going to treat him like a closer in the playoffs. No, like no. That, that could be he's stuck with him all year because it hasn't mattered and I think he's trying to like get him right for the playoffs but I, I don't know that it's going to happen alright we're going to wrap there for Scott I am Frank thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today we'll be back again tomorrow bye bye you can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7 The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. 
Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel. Streaming around the clock on Pluto TV, the CBS Sports app, and streaming on Paramount+.